Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Chatting with Country. Today on the line with me, I have Mr. Sadan Long. How are you? I am doing wonderful. How about you? I'm doing good. I was in the middle of getting my tea ready. <laughs> oh, so a little tea and relaxation the day after Easter. You know, happy Easter to everybody who's listening today, listening. Hopefully you had a wonderful holiday. I know. So what do we want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about just the God-given talents and then that'll kind of set the stage for where we're headed at the end? We can start wherever you want. So you want to start there? <laughs> you you fire away. Yeah. So um, per our conversation, we was just talking about how God gives us all talents and you can either use them or lose them. And so what does that look like? What does your talent look like? A lot of people go around searching, trying to figure it out, and it stares them right in the face. You can be somebody that's good at public speaking, you know, and, and don't know it. Or you can be someone that's good at doing hair or working on cars or motivating people, you know. And because no one has ever explained to you what this looked like, it goes unused. And so that's like a person with a good singing voice, right? They sing in the mm -hmm. bars and in the clubs and stuff like that. And um, that's fine. You know, I don't knock it. I'm a, I love karaoke. I love to get on the mic and act the fool. But then I also take that gift into the church house, you know, or if I'm out in a community doing something, I may sing and act silly. You know, co mm -hmm. comedy can be some people's thing. Um, but I've learned though, that when I was doing karaoke in a bar mm -hmm. and I wasn't really singing in the church, my mm -hmm. voice changed. Mm -hmm. It didn't stay the same. And so it became lesser than, but once I started going back into the church, you know, it started to come back. So I don't know, you know, if that's just my little mental deal that I that I go through. <laughs> but it happens. You know, it all depends on what you're using your talents for. You know, I was a great drug dealer making money, but I could have used that, you know, to invest and be further than, than where I am from back in the day. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it just depends on how we're using those God-given talents. So um, that's just a startup. What do you feel about it? Well, I mean, if you're someone at home right now listening to us and you have a talent, do understand that talent only gets better when you use it. You know, talent only grows, talent only improves, talent only becomes um, something that you can then make money with when you use it. I mean, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. You know, so the best thing anybody can do is use their talent, you know. If you so, if you had to put a definition on talent, what would you say talent is? Well, the definition is is just something that mm -hmm. you are naturally gravitating towards, something that has been um, embedded in you, something that has been gifted to you by God. Um, I don't think anybody comes into the world saying, "Okay, I want to be a singer." Just somewhere along the lines, you realize that you can hold a note. You know, um, somewhere along the lines, you you realize that you can keep time. 
so the inclination and or ability to do something is God given. Now, what you do with what God gives you is on you. You know, you could be a singer or you could not be a singer. That is up to you. You you could get up early. You could do the things necessary to take care of your voice. You could sacrifice time and energy and put forth that same time and energy with a coach. You could sacrifice some of your finances and hire a coach. You could travel around the country. You could study. You could do all these things to improve a gift that you've been given. You know, um, you know, with some of my clients, I say honoring your gift is the term, mm-hmm. I, you know, because you're honoring your gift in the present for something that will come to fruition in the future. You know, when you go back and you listen to people who are really successful, what you find out, and I'll use myself as well, is it's the repetition. You know, the first time you do something, the second time you do something, it goes from being hard to eventually becoming easy to eventually becoming effortless. You know, like occasionally people are like, you know, like you're really talented or you're just innately wise or, you know, um, so much about so many different things. But what I'll tell people time and time again is that I'm a researcher. So you say talented, I say I'm somebody who's probably read over 500 books in the last five or six years. Um, So I have a wealth of information. So when a topic comes up about about something that I've spent a great amount of time in, I'm able to speak to it. Yeah. So for all of us, it's really about, okay, God gave me something. Now, how many hours am I willing to put in to make it worth the hire? How much sacrifice am I willing? How much pain am I willing? How much, you know, scrutiny am I willing to be under in order to get my gift good? You know, like I laugh when Tank talks about singing in the church. And, you know, he wanted to have a solo. And he's just like, oh, I want this solo. I want this solo. And they told him no. So he went to his grandmother. And his grandmother kind of bullied him into giving him the solo. And he says about halfway through the song, nobody's making a noise. And then somebody says, let him use you. You know, and for the church folks that are listening, you know, let him use you usually means, yeah. You Get on up out of there. Yeah, you in the way of what God's trying to do. <laughs> Get on up out the way. You're in the way of what God tried to do. Let him use you. But then at the end of it, he says, you know, all it really taught me is that, hey, I need to go back to work. I need to work harder. I need to work on my craft. And that's what I did. So now you're looking at someone who is a professional who's been able to make a living, who's been able to employ other people, who's been able to feed his family, who's been able to bless people because he continued to work past the criticism because he continued to work past the failure. And for a lot of us, we're keeping ourselves from the thing that God wants to give us just simply because we're not willing to devote enough time and energy to perfecting our craft. Well, and then for those who don't know like what their talent is, what would you suggest? What are some things they can do to try to figure that part of life out? 
What's the thing? Because you always everybody do? has something, right? Everybody has something that they are good at. They just overlook it. Well, I feel like start with the things you complain about. If you're an adult, so if you're an adult listening, start with the things that 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 you complain about. Start with the things that hurt your heart. You know, because the things that you, the injustices you see, the people you think need help, maybe you're called to help those people. You know, for me, um, health-wise, you know, part of my journey with health is really looking at the adults in my life and how their lives are ending. You know, we're getting to a certain point where now congestive heart failures, cancers, diabetes, you know, all those type of things are starting to take people that I love and who raised me, who mentored me and I care about deeply away from me. So I've made it part of my my mission to not see my friends go out that way. You know, I've lost friends to, to diabetes. I've lost friends to heart disease. So it's like, man, I want to now take my afflictions and my journey and help the people who are heavy on my heart, the people I pray for, the people who who bring a tear to my eye. Now, if you're a little bit younger, then you look at it a little bit different because my belief is that you can do anything. You can turn anything into a business. You can turn anything into something that feeds you. You know, if you look younger, now you look at it, you say, okay, well, I what do I love to do? What comes easy to me? You know, now, if you're someone who can get in the kitchen, then, okay, perhaps you need to start writing down your recipes. You know, now you need to start looking at what things over the years I've been able to perfect, whether it's my collard greens, whether it's my macaroni and cheese, whether or not it's my cornbread. And now you can then monetize that and not feel bad about it because the Bible says that the gift is worthy of the hire. So, what you have to think of is that as an adult, there are people coming behind me who can benefit a great deal from my wisdom and knowledge. So if I am a business owner and I make barbecue well, there's tons of people who would love to make barbecue as well as I do, but they don't know how. So I can show them how to make it. I can show them what grill to buy. I can show them what charcoal. I can show them what cut of meat. There are so many things I can build a class or course around based on my natural gift and talent. Even if it's just standing outside over a barbecue grill. It doesn't always have to be some beautiful, angelic singing voice or, you know, some athletic ability. You know, sometimes it could be just being very organized. You know, and now teaching yeah. other people how the to little do little things. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, God wants to, your gift, it says your gift will make room for you. And what I do from a professional standpoint is I teach people how to turn their name, image, and likeness into something monetizable that they can do full time. You know, because that's all I did. I mean, I took my ability to run my mouth and write. And I started researching things that were important and interesting to me and sharing them with other people. And what I've done for those people is I've saved them time because now they don't have to go out and do all this research themselves. I've exposed them to people that they would have never otherwise um, had an opportunity to be around because I have the time to do the research. And it's become a beautiful marriage of me helping, mentoring, developing, coaching, advising, 
um, partnering with people, but it's all out of my own natural curiosity. You know, I'm a marketing guy who wanted to major in marketing when I was 18 or 19 years old. But then I went this whole journey of being in retail and doing all these other things that ultimately at the end of my journey or at this portion of my journey so far, because we're a long way from over. But we're at this portion, <laughs> all those things work for my good, you know, because I'm one of the few marketing people who's ever actually sold something. You know, I'm one of the few marketing people who's ever had to be accountable for sales. So now when I sit down with somebody, I'm not just trying to get you out there. You know, I'm not just trying to brand you. It's like, I literally want to see you win. And because of that, I've generated millions of dollars for small business owners and companies. So what looked like something that God, you know, had forsaken me, or I forsaken myself, you know, because, you know, well, let's be honest, sometimes we just disobedient. Um, actually work for my good. So whatever it is that you've gone through, I mean, if you conquered mental illness, write a book, you know, teach a class for people who look like you, similar to you, and then you can now use that thing. So to, to circle all together, the things that hurt your heart, the things that you are, are, are naturally good at and experienced and have perfected, you know, whether it be sewing, cooking, cleaning, gardening, landscaping, whatever, you could teach other people to do it. And then the last thing is whatever it is that you conquered, whatever affliction, you know, like for me, you know, we laugh and we joke about, you know, diabetes, but man, when I was 38, almost 400 pounds, um, blood sugar through the roof, you know, hospitalized, sleep apnea. A decade later, well, actually a decade and maybe three years now, um, man, I'm in better shape now than I was when I was 38. You know, about 130 pounds lighter and counting. Um, and I'm able to teach it and talk about it because I went through it. You know, so I know what it feels like to be a 400 pound man and be invisible. You know, I know what it's like to. When you say invisible, what do you mean? 400 pound man and be invincible. What does that mean? It means that when you walk into a room, nobody even notices you. It means that when you walk into a room, women don't stop, women don't turn their head, women don't wave, women don't look up. You know, people don't speak to you because most people are only trying to speak to people who benefit them from speaking to them. You know, if you walk into a room and you that guy, everybody want to talk to you. Oh, hey, there goes so-and-so. That's my friend. So that the people around them can then see that they're a cool guy because they know you. But when so you're... how did that, like, how did that make you feel throughout all of that? Man, embarrassed, ashamed, sick to my stomach. <laughs> I can remember sitting with a girl that I thought was very attractive and she found I used to work in retail and she was like, yeah, you probably used to work for my cousin. You know, and I'm like, no, actually your cousin used to work for me. And if it wasn't for me, oh. he wouldn't have a job. But what happens is that people start to see you differently when you're unfit especially as a man, 
You know, you're an unfit man. No woman thinks you could take care of her. No woman thinks you could protect her. So why would she want to be dating you? You know, when I was that way, I used to have to ask women out on dates and take them out and wine and dine them in the hope that they would like me. You know, he cute, but the physically fit guy, he can get it. You know, did they make you want to like abuse women and just like not abuse them physically, but like run through them sexually? Um, I think what it did is it made me bitter. I mean, not like I intentionally was in a um, I'm gonna make these women pay kind of mode, but what it did do is man, it made me unhappy with me. And if you're unhappy with you, then it's kind of hard to be fun to be around. You know, if you're unhappy with you and you have a negative outlook of your own life, then how are you then a positive influence in other people's lives? So now you you overly critical. Now you're overly judgmental. Now you bragging too much because you're insecure. You know, your 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 self-esteem is is not built on a solid foundation. So now you have to outdress everybody and wear the the designer stuff and be the coolest person in the room because you don't feel comfortable just being you. You know, you need to be, as I I often say, is it okay if I curse? You're fine. Okay. You know, it's like you see fat fucks in fly cars. That's the term I use. So you're a fat guy, but you got on all of the polo that you can buy in a 3X. You got the nicest car possible. You got the, the best beard possible because you're trying to make up for all of these things about yourself you don't necessarily feel comfortable about. So now when people like you, are they liking you because they like you or they like you because you take them on dates? Are they like you because you got a nice car? Are they like you because you got a good job? So it only makes you that much more unsure of yourself. You know, I mean, it's like the 50 Cent song. I know you don't love me because things ain't the same whenever he's around. You know, now, you know, yeah, you do have jealousy. You know, you do have resentment toward other men, you know, in their physiques or their accomplishments. And when you are interacting with somebody, you, you can't help but have some spillover. So do men compare themselves to other people? Um, in what sense? I mean, I think we all compare ourselves mm. to other people. And what I mean, like, like, like you see the physically fit male, and then you strive to kind of be them or look like them, so to speak. And then you can't accomplish that goal. It makes you feel some kind of way. Well, I think that when you're the guy with the the extra weight it all depends on how your life set up i mean yeah if i'm a boss and i'm fat you could be fit and i could pick at you all day long because you know i don't even know why you be fooling the little broke dudes yeah the only reason he in good shape because he ain't got no job yeah man nobody got time to be in the gym Mm -hmm. like that all the time i'm out here trying to get this money so yeah you do kind of um shame or attempt to be dismissive 
towards some of these guys because you're trying to raise your own value. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 probably old hobosexual. You know, or he probably give me time. Um a dude that you know having sex because he don't have a place to stay. Mm. You know, hobosexual, you know, he just basically, you know, he he fall in love with you and he wanna move in with you. Cause they don't really have a spot. So now he gonna, you know, become your 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 super lover so that he'll have a place to stay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it all depends on again, it depends on how your life's set up. If you're able to set um some type of difference between the two of you to make yourself look better, then yeah, it, it's not uncommon to see that. You know, he probably got a whole bunch of baby mamas, or I mean, whatever negative thing you could do to try to make yourself look better because you don't have confidence in you. So that leads us into um, you created a grown and rich Facebook group. Um, grown, rich, and, and fit. <laughs> grown, thank you. Grown, rich, and fit Facebook right. group. Um, and today is Skip a Meal, Walk a Mile Monday. And Our I just think one. that's like, yeah, I think that's really great. Um, I did invite a couple of people to the page and you know, hopefully they'll come because I really feel like we'll have good conversations and things going on. And you guys, it's like building, I don't want to say a brotherhood, but it's building a community, mm-hmm. right, to be able to express and grow together. And so tell us a little bit about that. What made you do it? What about that about? Well, first of all, it, it's a marathon. And I know that um, a lot of people are getting past their childbearing years. And when you get past your childbearing years, your body changes. You know? Oh, don't it. <laughs> well, our body is a beautiful thing. You know, it is giving you whatever you need. For men, when you go back to when you were your strongest and your fittest, it was because you were still growing. You know, so you needed human growth hormone. You needed testosterone. You needed nitric oxide because you were still growing. So your body was making it because it needed to, to get you to the size that you were meant to be. Also, you were in your childbearing years. Cause when you look back over time, people generally started making babies about 14. You know, women started getting their menstrual cycle somewhere between 14 and 17. Boys started being able to get an erection somewhere between 12 and and 14. So yeah, this is all about procreation and keeping civilization alive. But now as you get to become more 30-ish, 35-ish, your body just naturally starts making less testosterone, starts making less nitric oxide, starts making less human growth hormone. Your metabolism starts to slow down because you're ending your childbearing years. But for most of us, nobody ever explained that to us. So we're still eating like we did when we were in our 20s, where we could eat and it would just fall off because our metabolism was high. We're still eating like when we played sports. But now you get to be 35, 36, 37, 38, which is right where I was. And you've never had to to fast. You never had to understand nutrition. You never had to understand any of that stuff because your body just took care of it. 
So now you're starting to develop a gut. Now your insulin, you know, and your pancreas and your liver are working hard as hell because you're eating so much so often with so many sugars. So next thing you know, you're a 40 year old man who is now starting to experience things that are really signs of cardiovascular disease, like erectile dysfunction, you know. I was going to say, what are some of the signs of cardiovascular? Yeah, like erectile dysfunction. Like, and I don't mean that you can't get it up at all. I mean, just now, there's sometimes it just don't work. You know, but that's a sign of vascular disease. Because what's happening is that now you got a person who has unmanaged insulin, you know, because you're spending so much energy trying to process these processed foods and it's making you sick now you're looking at people who have spent their whole life eating fast food you know because when you work how many people really eating salads most of us are eating whatever we could eat on our way to work most of us are eating whatever we could afford while we're at work so you got a lot of you know dollar menus and fast food and all of those things Spike your insulin, help you gain weight, you know, because if your insulin is high, then it's going to be harder for you to lose weight. So typically you see people who are diabetic, also obese. And most of it's because nobody ever taught us. And then when we finally do go to the doctor, it's like, man, how did I get here? Cause I wasn't doing anything crazy when I was in my um, late thirties. You know, I worked a sedentary job where I sat at a desk and talked on the phone in case we had to walk across the hall. Um, I would probably have, you know, dollar menu for breakfast, you know, get old egg McMuffin, some OJ and a hash brown on my way to work, which wasn't to me like, Oh my God, a big deal. Or, um, maybe I get like some breakfast, but it did never really seem like a lot of food. But what I was doing was spiking my insulin levels. So now before my insulin levels go back down again, it's lunchtime. So now it's lunch, you know, yeah, maybe I'm gonna go and get, you know, a burger or maybe I'm gonna go get a chicken sandwich, you know, just the normal stuff that people eat. But now I've added another meal and probably had a soda with it, a pop or something. And now that spikes it that much more. So then you get off work and it's dinner time. So my levels have been elevated all day and I can't lose any weight, but I'm not really eating crazy. Like I'm not just glutton. I'm just never giving myself a chance to allow my body to heal. Like now I fast. You know, tomorrow I'm starting a fast. We're doing a three-day fast. You know, I eat typically maybe one meal a day, sometimes two. Um, today, definitely no more than one because it's skip a meal Monday. Um, but I never gave my body a chance to rest. So with all that being said, I've spent the last decade learning how the body works, learning how insulin resistance works, being able to re, you know, reverse diabetes 
to the point where, you know, I have good A1C levels. I've lost over 130 pounds. Um, my blood pressure, last time I checked, it was like 107 over 71. Um, my resting heart rate is in the 50s. And even with that, I'm still like 270. So it doesn't mean that you have to be a stick figure. It doesn't mean that you have to be um, the same size you were in high school, any of that. Do you feel like the size that you are now, uh, more people talk to you since you done lost the weight? <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. Why that's fun? Because it's the truth. There's a difference. You know, I mean, let's be clear. I've always um, been athletic. So even when I was bigger, I wasn't um, a, a, a person who didn't dress well, whose clothes didn't fit. But there's a totally different situation when you wear the suit and your stomach is flatter. There's a totally different situation when, you know, someone could see some definition in your arms. Women look at you differently. Because now you're someone that they can see themselves with. Now you're someone that they see not just as a man. But, but what if they already saw something in you that you just ain't seeing yourself? You know? Yeah. That's possible too. But I guess you got to fix the inside out first so you can even identify with that, huh? Yeah. But let me be clear. There, I get, I get a different kind of holler now than I did 130 pounds ago. So what kind of holler you was getting at 130 pounds? Well, I'm being messy. Well, when 130 pounds ago, it was, I like you, you're nice, you know, and I got to try to talk you into going on a date. Well, maybe we should go out or maybe we should hang out. You're not volunteering, nothing. It's all me trying to get you to like me. Whereas 130 pounds later, you see me and you're like, oh, he could get it. And ooh, he could get it is me being able to see your pupils dilated. Um, you flirting with me, you looking me up and down, um, you closing the body space between us, um, you actually reaching out and making physical contact with me, um, you offering up opportunities um, to see me again, you um, not being able to, to maintain eye contact because you got the little butterflies in you. So now you're averting your eyes and your vocal um, tone is changing slightly, you know? Or another thing, you know, we do is we peacock. You know, men and women do this. You know, we start talking about all of our accomplishments and how wonderful of a person we are trying to sell ourselves to the other person as an opportunity that they would want to take advantage of. Because do be clear, I come from sales, and I'm a marketing strategist. So I understand human nature like very few people on the planet do. And I'm one of the best people on the planet at what I do. So I know when your pupils are dilated and I know that when you're saying that you're successful and you're single, why are you telling me this stuff? You're telling me this because you want me to like you. So for me, my professional background has always given me an advantage socially because I know how to listen. So now I'm not confused when you're saying what you're saying, because I'm always taught and trained to say, okay, well, why are you saying this? What type of person says that? 
No, a woman that likes you will let you know she's single. You know, a woman that likes you will tell you that she comes here all the time. You know, why does she tell you she comes here all the time? So that you know this is where you can find her. You know, a woman that likes you will let you know, you know, that she's on Instagram. Why? So that you can reach out to her. You know, 130 pounds ago, nobody was giving me all that information. 130 pounds ago, nobody was giving me their whole resume. You know, 130 pounds ago, nobody was really looking at me with their pupils dilated, closing the space between the two of us. So did it put you in a lonely spot or you just didn't care? Like, I know you said you were bitter, but like, well, tell me more about your feelings. I wasn't bitter with others. But here's the thing. I wasn't bitter with other people. I was bitter with myself. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I was an athlete. You know, so you're talking about a guy who, who. So was it something that happened in your life that caused you to gain weight? You know what I'm saying? What triggered that? Yeah. Not understanding nutrition. (laughs) I mean, I went from being an athlete to working in retail to where now I'm getting 10,000 steps in every day and I'm jumping up and down on ladders and I'm moving around and I'm eating like a person who moves around and jumps up and down and throws boxes around all day and stands on his feet. And then I moved from that environment to working in a office environment. But Listen, I'm 220, and you say you're jumping all around and throwing boxes, and my knees want to break in half. Your knees holding up for you? How I'm tall me. are you? I'm 5'10". Okay. You know, but you're talking about somebody who played sports their whole life and then went from sports to working in retail. So every day I'm running and jumping and moving around. And then I go to sitting at a desk all day, but I still got the bad eating habits of a 17 year old kid, mm-hmm. you know? So now again, I don't need orange juice. I don't need sodas. You know, I don't need to have French fries every damn day. I don't need burgers every day. And when you get larger, the the messed up thing about being a larger man is that people feed you more. You know, so I knew nothing about carbs. I knew nothing about insulin resistance. You know, like now, when you start to go back to when I was in the hospital, I remember when my doctor at the time, shout out to Dr. T. Light. If you're in the Hammond area, Dr. T. Light's great. Check her out. Um, she was telling me about, you know, I mean, again, this story is something that changed my life. So she told me, like, hey, you want to try to limit your your meals to one card at that time. I know what a card was, you know, so she's doing her job as a doctor telling me what to do, but I didn't know what a card was. I didn't know how to, to, to count carbs. I don't understand what carbs, what I know what a carb would do. So yeah, you gave me some information, didn't know what to do with it, but because I'm a researcher and I'm a studier and I'm a student, I went and I figured it out. So now when you start talking about, a low carb diet, like, okay, cool. We need to remove starches. We need to remove sugars. You know, we need to remove any kind of processed foods so that we can now keep our insulin from spiking. Because if my insulin spikes, then what's going to happen with that sugar is that the insulin is going to then decide where to store it. But if I do not have the insulin spike, now I'm able to burn and end up in a calorie deficit. 
But I didn't know that then. The only thing that really saved me back then is that the nutritionist came in and said that I needed to keep my blood sugars below this number. And if I kept them below this number, not to take the medication. So I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew that I didn't, I needed my blood sugar to be lower than this. So instead of me having McDonald's for breakfast, I had a cup of grits, the little packet. You know, so I would have a little packet of grits and now, and I would do that after going to the gym. So now I'm not realizing it, but I'm keeping my body in ketosis. I'm keeping, you know, my fat burning because I've gone to the gym before I went to work and lunch usually is until about this time. So now when I get to lunch, I'm having an Herbalife shake, but I don't, I'm having an Herbalife shake because I went to get my blood work done. And I thought that the place next door was a restaurant when Willie, it was a, a Herbalife center. And God bless the little girl that worked in there. I cannot remember her name. <laughs> but as I'm sitting there waiting, starving, because, you know, you got to fast before you go get your blood work done. So I'm thinking, cool, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to go next door and get me something to eat. And I go next door and I don't smell any food. I just see a whole bunch of people with styrofoam cups. So a little girl says, uh, yeah, what you want? And I'm like, well, what is this place? So she was like, well, basically, you know, we're, you know, here to help people lose weight. You know, if you want to aggressively lose weight, you drink two shakes a day and one small meal. Um, if you want to lose less aggressively, you drink one. But basically, we're here to help people lose weight. So she and she said, so what do you want? And she's looking at me like, you're fat. This is the place you need to be. So make an order. But again, still didn't really understand it. Just knew that I should give it a try. Which has got to be all God, by the way, because I mean, I'm just kind of stumbling through this stuff. I'm not really understanding why any of it works, you know. So now that shake and the green tea I drank before it, that would like have me full for the majority of the day. But then I would get home and it would be like, well, man, let me try to eat small. So I would have just a little bit of food because that's what she said. You know, you have a small meal. So I got a small, mm -hmm. I, had, I had 100 calorie couple of grits for breakfast, which, you know, I didn't really like oatmeal, so I ate grits. I had to shake for lunch and then I had this small little meal. You know, but again, I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> I just was following the directions. Whereas now I am pretty much a student of it. And I can explain it and teach it to other people. So because I can explain it to teach it to other people, I want them, I want them to know. You know, I just lost one of my homeboys a few weeks ago to a heart attack. Um, members, members of my family, probably the last 18 or 19 people who died, died from diabetic complications. So if you have to ask me what's the way that I would have most likely died, I probably would have either had a heart attack or some other diabetic complication. And in our community, Heart disease, cancer, diabetes are the top three. So if we can fast, if we can change our diet and do it in a way that's not all weird and crazy, but something that's sustainable, then why shouldn't we? So when you say fast, what do you mean? What types of fasts are out there? Can you explain that a little bit to somebody who don't know what a fast is? Okay. Um, like, right, one of the things I practice right now is intermittent fasting. So, like, typically, my first meal 
isn't breakfast. My first meal is usually lunch and then have dinner. So that first meal, like right now we're doing skip a meal Monday. So for me, breakfast out the door, not having it. One of the reasons I'm not having it is because I work out fasted, which means that I didn't eat anything before I worked out so that I can then not only burn off whatever I have for dinner, but I can also be in a calorie deficit for a longer period of time by skipping breakfast. So now my workout carries me all the way to maybe about two o'clock or at least noon, depending on the window. So that's intermittent fasting or restricted feeding as some people would call it. So I skip the first meal, I work out in the morning and now I have my first meal to somewhere between 12 and two. Now what I'm starting tomorrow is a water fast and that's three days, no food. Now, the reason we're doing the water fast is because what happens when you fast is that your body starts to attack all the damaged cells, cells, I'm sorry, damaged cells. And when it starts to attack those damaged cells through what's called autophagy, now you get a chance to rebuild fresh new white blood cells and get rid of some of the old ones. So for me, my mind was clear. I felt lighter. I felt stronger because my body is now cleaning itself out and it helps me on the back end because it makes me that much more aware of what I'm putting into my body so that I'm not continually doing the same damage as I used to do. Because again, you have to ask yourself, how am I most likely to die? And if I eat a bunch of junk, then I'm most likely going to die from diabetes or heart failure, because I'm not doing anything to strengthen my heart. You know, um, when I first started walking in my neighborhood, you know, people were like stranger danger. <laughs> and, you know, I would see my friends. And again, I was very, I was embarrassed because I'm out here, I'm walking and da, 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 da. I look crazy to these people, people looking at me crazy. And I came up with this phrase, you know, and anybody who's listening, please adopt it and make it your own. You know, if you don't work your heart, your heart don't work. You know, so whenever I would see somebody and they were like, man, what is y'all here doing? Hey, man, you don't work your heart, your heart don't work. And they would just shut them right down because they couldn't argue it. So even though I was insecure or embarrassed or ashamed that I was out here having to lose this weight, I was able to keep myself motivated by saying, if you don't work your heart, your heart don't work. And now, oh, yeah. and now oh, three yeah. years later, man, it's, it's like a parade every time you see me in the neighborhood. Cause people are like, man, you are so consistent. So for anybody listening, the more you do it, the more people are going to adopt the same philosophy, the more people are going to cheer you on, the more people who are going to be supportive of you. You just have to get past those early stages where you feel, um, a little weird because if you get past that then you'll start to see some benefits and people will start to respect your consistency and they'll cheer you on and support you so just give it a try you know a couple times a week and you'll get a little bit stronger you get a little bit better so now what are you gonna say um that we had skip a meal walk them out monday mm -hmm. and so you're putting this information on the, the grown rich and fit uh group 
But then you talked about a three-day fast. So are you going to explain what fasting is in the group? So like as you do something, you know, daily, weekly, or ever, will you add an explanation to those who don't know what you're talking about? Here's what you can expect starting. Or this maybe do a video. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Here's what you can expect. Starting Wednesday, I'm going to do something documented that you can go to either the, the website, which is grownandrich.com, or go to Grown Rich and Fit, the Facebook page, or just go to Sedan Long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be somewhere. And, you know, we'll do what's called West Wellness Wednesdays, where I'll literally break something down every Wednesday from now through the end of the summer. And you'll get to get understanding. You'll get to get information. I'll share videos that actually help you um, get a better understanding of it. Um, let me see what I got in my phone right now. I'm reading a book um, by Peter Atiyah called Longevity. So that's a, a great book to start with. And let's see what else am I currently reading? We got Benjamin Bickman. Is this Ben Bickman or Benjamin Bickman? No. Benjamin Bickman, PhD. And the book's called Why We Get Sick. So, like, those are two really great books to, to dig into. Um, I recommend them on audio. You know, that way you can kind of take notes and play it back and do stuff like that. Um, you can also find both of those guys on YouTube. Um, Dr. Bickman really is heavy in the insulin management. And, you know, teaching us how not to um, do damage to ourselves and do damage to our liver and our kidneys by, you know, creating all these insulin spikes. And then Peter T is just in the overall longevity. So those are two people that I really recommend. But you can also count on me to give you the condensed versions, the reader digest versions, the in our vernacular version. Um, of a lot of this information, because it's a lot. I mean, you're talking about 10 years mm -hmm. of stuff for me, you know, and as far as the fasting goes, um, this fast, I'm not actually asking anybody who's listening unless they want to, to um, partake of it. It's just me and one of my clients and friends that are going to do the three day fast. One of my friends, she was talking about fasting and I said, well, I'll do it with you. You know, so that's kind of where we are. I'm just trying to get people to, you know, like you say, invite a friend, partner with a friend, because the first time I ever went on a fast, it was with a guy named Randall Morgan, who I'm very close with to this day. And I went on it because he exposed me to the information and I was like, okay, well, cool. I'll do it too. So if we can all help somebody else and while we help ourselves, I think that that's really just a great and beautiful and wonderful thing because I know what it's like i know what it's like when you go to the store and you're like oh wow man that's nice and then you put it on and it doesn't look the same on you <laughs> you know i know what it's like when you go to the walgreens or the cvs and you got to keep giving these people your money for these medications and now it feels like medications are higher than ever you know almost like they're blackmailing us you know either you give us your money or die kind of situations, you know, because I see a lot of my mother's friends, you know, they're on fixed incomes. And it's like, I have to decide between food and medication. Yeah. Really? You know, or, and this is something people may not know, like if you get to a certain point in life and now you have to go into a convalescent center or a nursing home, 
now all your hard work is gone. Because if you have properties and savings and all those things, that stuff's going to be redirected to that nursing home. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. You know, so you could have built a wonderful life. But if you get sick and you got to go into a nursing home, now this house that you spent all this money on, the nursing home looking at you like, hey, well, you got to sell that home. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're in our age group, how are you most likely to end up if you're following the people who came before you? Who is our? (laughs) If you're 38 or above. Uh, so let me, let me talk about fasting real quick. Uh, <laughs> so it's been maybe like three and a half years, almost four years now. I did a, a three-day water fast and it nearly killed me. Okay. Um, and so I would say to people, know your body. Um, mm. I started out and my goal was seven days. Mm. And my first day was a piece of cake, Right. My second day was a piece of cake. On the third day, it was a piece of cake because mentally, if you tell yourself you can do something, you're going to get it done, Mm. right? Hands down. And so that was me. But on that third day, and, you know, biblically, when you look at stuff, a lot of things happen in three days, Mm. right? So on that third day, the voice was like, stop. And I'm like, what you mean? You know, shit, I'm ready. I, I can do these seven days. I'm at the, I'm almost at the halfway mark. I got this. The voice was like, stop. And I said, come on now. You know, I ain't never really committed myself mm-hmm. to something so big. Seven days of fasting. I got this. Mm-hmm. The voice came a little bit louder and was like, I said, stop. And so I stopped. The next day when I woke up, I was like deathly ill. Mm-hmm. Anything that I put in my mouth, it was like draining and depleting me. Mm-hmm. For about six or seven months, I did not know what was wrong with me. I started losing weight rapidly, mm-hmm. right? I was going to the doctors and everything, and they was just like, we don't know. Nobody knew like what had happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so I had to start doing a, a journal. Mm-hmm. And that's why to me, journaling is super important when you got to know what's affecting you because the doctors don't know. I'm going in here and it's this system of a million damn things that could be wrong with you. And I'm telling them all of this stuff and we still not getting nothing under a thousand things that could be wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the end, the, fa- the final diagnosis was like, okay, you have an autoimmune disease and it's called Sjogren's. Mm-hmm. Well, I was fatigued. Mm-hmm. I was um, mentally gone. Um, I was allergic. So mm-hmm. like I was a heavy coffee drinker. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I, I don't drink coffee no more. I can't drink it. Um, I don't really drink juice every now and then you might see me mix orange juice and cranberry juice, but it's not a lot, right? Because I found that I'm allergic to sugars. I have to watch certain carbs because carbs break down into sugars. Sugars mm-hmm. trigger me. Now mm-hmm. I have an EpiPen. So I'm allergic to all of these things. I don't eat desserts. 
because desserts will kill me. I have to be very careful with what I do. And so I only say that to the listeners to say, know your body. You know, if you want medicine and stuff like that, you need to still take your medicine and do whatever you need. But if you hear that voice on the second day, say stop, or after the first 24 hours, say you need to stop, then you need to stop because that can be, you know, life or death. And so I've always wanted to attempt to do another three-day water fast. But then in the back of my head be like, don't even try it. I, you can do 24 hours. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, but don't you go out here and do three no more because mm-hmm. I, I I like, I wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And when I go to work, I'll be in there. like I wasn't even there. My body was there, but I was so tired. I was cold. I was like mm-hmm. everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. My boss was just like, you know, I'm going to move in with you and take care of you because you need some help, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I was married at the time, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was like, it was a tough place for me. Hmm. But let's be clear. Number one, consult your doctor, you know, go to the doctor, figure out what's going on with you. Make some, make some visits to get good information about what's nothing going, was going with on with me. Right. You know what I'm saying? But nothing mm-hmm. was going on. But not you, but I'm talking about for the listener. Right. (laughs) Because, you know, we're not your doctors. And, you know, we ain't your pastors, we ain't your preachers. So consult doctors. You know, let's be clear. Consult doctors. Don't go out there and fall out and say you heard that on Chad with country. Exactly. And (laughs) as far as fasting goes, I mean, the longest I've gone is 40 days. But what I am saying to anyone who is interested in it, do your research. Don't just take what we said and then go run off. Do your research and start out with skip a meal Monday, you know, like, okay, you know, I skipped a meal or instead of eating at 830, I pushed it back to 930. Just small little increments to try and push yourself in the right direction. And as you then develop your better understanding, then maybe you could take a little bit more of an aggressive approach. Because honestly, I think what happens for a lot of us is that we take too aggressive, too aggressive of an approach out mm-hmm. the gate. Mm-hmm. And when we take that aggressive approach, then all of a sudden we feel like crap. Mm-hmm. And now you've never been deprived of sugar or you haven't been deprived of sugar in 30 years. And now all of a sudden you burnt up all the glycogen in your system and you feel horrible because you've been running on this sugar and this caffeine forever. So you may, in the process of trying to get healthy, figure out that, man, there are some things that I didn't even really know I was doing to myself that I have to then figure out a way to work around or recover from. You know, you know as they say, you have to get in shape in order to get in shape. Mm-hmm. You know? So like you have to to take small little steps, you know, which is why we started, you know, skip a meal, walk a mile Mondays because you could walk twenty one hundred steps. However, you see fit, you could walk them while you're at work. You could walk them when you get off work. You could walk them with your grandbaby, you know, pushing the stroller. You know, you could walk them around Walmart, wherever you want to do them. You know, the idea is just to make you aware. You know, and I wanted to do it the day after Easter because. I know that, man, we've been overeating, you know, we've been eating a whole bunch of sugar. So if I could do anything to help you get your body just a little bit of a break coming off soul food Sunday or coming off a holiday, 
so that we don't have that insulin spike followed by another insulin spike, then I wanted to do it, you know, because most of the time, the reason that we're eating is because our body's addicted to the sugar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and what you don't realize is that you're addicted <laughs> to some of this stuff. But because you have enough money and link card and EBT and credit cards to continue to buy it, it does not seem like a habit. You know, but try not drinking, you know, iced coffee for two or three days and see how you feel. Try not eating fast food for a few days and see how you feel. You know, because even if you stop this stuff, you're going to have some type of withdrawal because you're used to doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is on topic, but off topic. A lot of times we can't leave bad relationships because we just used to being in them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it feels more uncomfortable to not be in a toxic situation, to not be in a situation where I'm doped up on sugar and caffeine and coffee and a whole bunch of creamer than it does to be off it. So sometimes the stuff that we're doing to prop ourselves up is really doing more harm than good. You know, whether it be the five hour energy drinks, um, whether it be the the sugary coffee, you know, whether it be the Pepsis or Mountain Dews or Jolts or whatever, you know, like all those things are just spiking our sugar levels. So now in the process, you're putting your liver and your pancreas mm-hmm and jeopardy so now you same thing with people in the um what is that the the advils and tylenols that they were saying how Mm -hmm. people took those and then you know they found out later on in life it was compromising their kidneys yeah you know so like all of these things that you know we're talking about it's really so you can have a better life you know i mean i want to see you blessed and if you do have a talent and you do have a skill man I don't want you to see the the fruit of your labor only to then have to give it to doctors. You know, I don't want you to to become successful as a business owner or as a life coach or as a minister or a pastor, and then you don't have enough good days to really enjoy it. You know, because now, yeah, I'm popular, but now I gotta go and have dialysis in every city I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm popular and and I'm profitable, but they talking about taking my leg. You know, I'm profitable and I'm popular and then I drop dead. Mm -hmm. You know, or, you know, I'm starting to experience dementia or arthritis and things of that nature that I could make some lifestyle adjustments and improve my quality of life and lengthen my good days even if I don't lengthen my life, but I lengthen my good days in my life, that was good. You know, because some people, they may only live to be whatever they live to be, but how do I live it? You know, do I live it sick? You know, going to dialysis? You know, do I live it sick on a whole bunch of medications? Do I live it mm-hmm. sick and embarrassed and ashamed to leave the house? Do I live it sick and, and mentally sick because... I'm not able to be in a healthy relationship because I don't love myself. You know, or do I become free indeed? Right. Yeah. Because who the sun says free is free indeed. 
Because if you don't feel good, you're probably not going to be fun to be around. Now, if you're sick and tired and in pain, you're probably not going to be all that fun to be around. And now you're putting that burden and that pressure on other people who have never had to have that pressure and burden put on them and may not always respond well. Mm -hmm. And that's the nice way of saying it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you knew what was happening to some of our aunts and uncles and elders because their kids just are not able to take care of them in the fashion that they deserve, you call the police. You know, you have adults that have raised you, loved you, cared for you, and now in their later years, when they need you to be there for them and take them to doctor's visits and help them to the bathroom. And when they have an accident, help get them cleaned up so that they can have some dignity. A lot of us are failing them. So if you cannot be on the shadow of a doubt, predict how other people are going to react. Then while you're healthy enough to get healthier, I think you should consider it. Because you don't know what's going to happen if you're now the one who has to take care of auntie. You know, will you have the money to take care of auntie and take care of yourself? You know, or if you're auntie, you know, are you do you have nieces, nephews, sons, daughters that you could trust to come take care of you? Mm-hmm. You know, is somebody gonna you know come to the hospital? And see about you. Is somebody going to come by your house and make sure you ate? So if you can lengthen your good days, that gives you more autonomy and more control over your life. And if your money, you know, is not right and you're going to have to work more years before you can retire, man, you want to be able to work those years. Because there are people who had to quit their jobs just because their health was failing. Mm -hmm. You know? So I really just want to improve the quality of life. You know, I mean, I talk about going to the doctor and man, I pull up in my little Jeep and, you know, they're sitting in the G-Wagon and the drop top Audi and, you know, all these different, you know, beautiful cars. And they, they get that life with your money. You know, you're the one funding their lifestyle. So skipping a meal here and there, if lowering your carbs here and there and doing a little research gives you more of your money back for you in your life and your health and your joy and your peace, then I, I say try it. And don't try to, you know, do it all at once, just incrementally improve over time. Because your body will get stronger, you know, your constitution will get stronger. You know, and maybe you'll find out that you do have some other underlying something that you need to go to the doctor and and now you're in a much better place for it. You know, you know, because I mean, I don't know how you feel about your fast and, you know, if that was a revelation and a blessing from God to uncover something else or not. I don't know. But what I do know is, man, you don't look your age. 
So avoiding the sugars and doing the Pilates and, and being forced to, to maybe change some of your, your lifestyles and, and diet, you know, it looks like it's healthy. Oh, I look at it as a, you know, in the end as a good thing because, you know, I was on that verge, you know, to being diabetic, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. When you're drinking them coffees with give me the extra caramel and all of the whipped cream fixings, you know what I'm saying? So I was a regular. And so um, I do look at it like it was a good thing because I fought hard to try to lose weight, period. And I've hit a plateau now that I've been frustrated because my goal weight has always been 215. And I can't get that to save my life. Like, <laughs> it's like, I can't get that. I'm this weight. This is all you're going to get. You know, you, you'll get five pounds above and not many below, you know. And mm. so for me, because at one point, and I, my heaviest was like 283. Mm -hmm. um, but during that, and that was about 20, I would say like 2012, 2011 kind of when we moved here two years in so that's the that's about right um but during those years I was stressed out you know I had a lot going on and so food was my friend mm -hmm. you know and so to to get sick that did jump start the weight loss and was knocking the pounds off because this is stuff I had was going to TRX and you know Zumba and doing all of the stuff that I knew how to do but in the process, like I broke my foot and um, I sprained my ankle, like so my knee, I messed my knee up. So every time I would exercise, I would get an injury. And I was like, okay, God, now this is just beyond me. You know, here I am, I'm out here trying to do the right thing, you know, having bone density tests and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not getting no results. I started to feel some kind of way. So I kept eating, you know, and so mm -hmm. then to do this fast and to be able to lose the weight to kind of get back to some some normalcy you know it was a good thing but I suffered through it all and you know it's suffrage and rewards right mm -hmm. so to go out here and skip this meal and walk a mile you know it may be a little suffrage going on because you get them hunger pains but it's rewarding in the end you may be adding 15 years on to your life you know um, like God did Hezekiah. You just never know what it's about to look like for you. And so if you are consistent in what you're doing, you will be rewarded. Absolutely. And even if the weight doesn't come off, but your body looks different. You and know, you feel different. And you feel better and your numbers yeah. are good. And, you know, instead of adding, you know, medications, we could take some medications away and maybe our flexibility is a little bit better. And, you know, we sleep in a little bit better. So, you know, with all those things, like, there's even benefits, even if you don't get a Coke bottle shape out of it. Right. Yeah. You know, because, again, you know, we're, we're probably never going to look like we did at 18. And when we were 18, we didn't appreciate it. <laughs> so and when we was 18, we didn't appreciate it. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, again, like, you know, how did it happen? Because I wasn't eating stuff that I should have been eating as an adult who was trying to live a long and prosperous life. I was eating like a 17-year-old kid who mama told him he better eat his vegetables. And as soon as she wasn't looking, I went to McDonald's. Yeah. You know, it's like I remember when I worked in, in education, you know, we would have these 
cakes and donuts at every meeting. <laughs> yeah. Every meeting. So in the morning, I'd have had a donut. In the afternoon, I'd have had a brownie. You know, now I'd have had an old Pepsi with my lunch. And you crashing. Right. You know. <laughs> For me, when I go to meetings, you know, I come in with a banana or apple because I can only eat certain apples. So I can't really eat grapes. And like yeah. it's so much sugar, honey, icy that I cannot have, right? And I've eaten so many blueberries now blueberries starting to give me a reaction so i had to cut back on them um but i was saying that to say you know you go into meetings and all of these sugary snacks are there they are just now starting to implement things like granola bars and stuff i can't eat that either because it got certain nuts in them um that's how jacked up i am so it was like god fixed this meal plan for me mm -hmm. <laughs> that saved my life you sure. know um i look at it like Maybe now I'll be here to see Xander grow up. Um, but back to the work meetings and I watch people indulge in all of these things. And I was like, that used to be me. Can sit there. But then I would sit and be crashing, feeling sluggish, you know, head spaced out, confused, you know, can't think because I was tired after after eating all this stuff in a work meeting, you know. Right. And you don't know the long-term effects that you're having when you're doing it, you know, cause like you say, you know, it's like when I'm doing it, I don't, you know, I'm not looking at, okay, at some point I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to be past my childbearing years. You know, at some point I'm going to, to become, you know, quote unquote middle age. And how do I have the habits of somebody who's in their middle years and wants to live until their latter years. If I never make any changes, you know, because when you're a kid, man, you think I can just keep eating, you know, White Castles and I could just keep eating, you know, whatever I want and I'm never going to gain any weight. You know, and now everybody's got these big bellies and along with these big bellies, we got, you know, heart disease, cancer, you know, diabetes. You know, and it seems like everything that we adopt is something that's detrimental to our health. Mm -hmm. You know, like now, you know, you see people smoking cigars. It's like, okay, so yeah, how's that going to make us any healthier? And it doesn't mean you can't smoke them. It just means you can't smoke them every day. You know, like now we want to do soul food Sundays. Okay, so how about we do a health food Sunday? <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, because all of these carbs and then it's like, oh, I got the itis. No, you don't have the itis. What you have is insulin resistance. What's, what's happening is that your blood sugar spiked and your insulin levels, you know, your, in, in the body, your pancreas can't make enough insulin to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. You know, so now just like with Adam, you know, when God made, you know, one man, we got to put you to sleep. So your body can now process all of this sugar. And the thing is, is you're not burning it off. You're just going to lay down. So now it's figuring out where to store it, which means it's adding weight. You know, so now you get to be whatever you are and you don't have good, healthy habits. It's going to be hard. I like that. Said, so now your body puts you to sleep because it has to figure out where to store all of this stuff. Right. 
You overwhelmed yourself with food. <laughs> you know, and if you're overwhelming yourself, like I remember. And that's scary because, <laughs> and, and now I'm about to go into when your sugar gets too high, too low. Um, because that's scary because you yeah. can go through that feeling and your body puts you to sleep and you never wake up because right. you don't know what's going on. You know, right. your sugar can be then drop so much. So now you're asleep and that's just the end. Yeah. you know yeah you do it too many i think about my you. sister right. i think about my sister tina um mm. she tina been dead now mm -hmm. tina been dead now maybe six or seven years um i tend to lose count but she was diabetic and i used to fuss at my sister all the time i used to cook for everybody so her food would always be different um mm -hmm. This night, we were about to go out, and she called me, and she was at Miller. She called me again when she got to Ridge Road in Louisiana to the gas station, and she was like, hey, I'm almost there. Um, I just need to grab me a piece of chicken or something. I just, I feel my sugar's messing up, and she, mm -hmm. this, she didn't, she, she was diabetic, and she didn't care. You know, she was reckless, and I feel yeah. some kind of way about the whole situation. But um, I'm at the gas station. I'm about to get some chicken, and I'll be right there. And I said, okay. Look down at the clock, because if she on Ridge, that's what, 37? I live mm -hmm. on 40th in Louisiana. That's three blocks away. It's like 40 minutes later. I'm like, my sister was down the street. Where in the hell is my sister? I'm calling the phone. She not answering the phone. What's going on? Last thing I remember is she was at the gas station getting some chicken because her sugar was low. Seconds. You know what I'm saying? I get a phone call. I'm like, where the hell you at? And she hollering and screaming. It's super black outside. It's so dark. I don't know where I'm at. Alicia, please come help me. She was like, please come help me. You got to come find me. I don't know. Click, phone hangs up. Shit. Okay. So mm -hmm. now I'm sitting here. I got to get my thoughts back together because every time she called, it was like she was getting a minute. She would wake up and call me, but then she would go back out. And so she did it again. And she said, Alicia, you got to come help me. And she was just screaming. And my hair standing up now because that was a that's a scar for me. It was traumatic. And so I get out and I I go outside to the car and my stepmama, Stephanie, she called. And I said, Mom, Tina just called and she said that she lost and she don't know where she at. I said, I need some help. You know, this is where she said she was. Please, y'all just come. I gotta scour, you know, the neighborhood. So I'm driving up and down all of the block. This is a straight shot. You own Louisiana, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, she couldn't have turned off. We in the car, we looking. And so she called back. And in that moment, I said, Tina, I need you to blow the horn. God was like, tell her to blow the horn. And she started blowing the horn. And I'm driving and I told Stephanie and them, I said, roll y'all windows down. Listen for a horn. So they drive, everybody driving, trying to just we mapped this route. So some said, Talisha, get back on your street. And I got back on my street and I said, do y'all hear it? 
And they was like, we hear it. I said, okay, Tina, I can hear the horn. Stay on the horn. And she stopped blowing the horn. And I stopped in the middle of the street and I said, Jesus, I need you to tell me where my sister is right now. And she woke back up and I said, Tina, blow the horn. So by then we had called the fire department. We done called the police department. And I'm like, yo, look, my sister out here, she a diabetic. I don't know where she is. She got to be in this area right here. We need some help. They was like, we can't do nothing about it because you don't know where she at. <laughs> right? So God said, keep straight. And it's important and, and, and I tell this story because it's important to know the voices that go on in your head because it's a matter of life and death. And so the voice said, just keep straight. And I drove straight. What's right that a fucking train tracks, right? Tina rode down Louisiana, past 43rd. God picked the car up. It's tree. It was trees right there. Wow. God, God picked the car up over the trees. You can see the dirt mark where the tires hit the dirt. God picked the car up and set it in front of the train tracks. <laughs> Shit was crazy. So I get there and now I'm going off because it's like she right here by these houses. Nobody ain't came out now y'all want to come out, the fire department rushing in, trying to come, because it was a train coming on the track. We had to stop the train. <laughs> mm -hmm. My God. Any time less than, she would have died in that way. But she didn't die in that way, right? Mm -hmm. She went to the hospital, and I had to take her back. I said, you don't understand what we just went through. You treating this shit like it's a joke, you know? So I took her back and I said, Tina, here's where you should have hit the trees and just totaled your car out. But God picked this car up and set it on the train tracks. Highway damage, no way, nothing, nothing. She wow. had a bump on her head. Her head hit the steering wheel, busted lip. That was it. That was it. So... After that, and I'm only telling a story about, you know, diabetes, paying attention to your body and the things that you do. Um, after that, she ended up losing a foot. And I always tell people, once they start the cutting process, they're going to keep going up. My thing is, if you're going to take my toe, just take my whole damn leg. Because you're going to keep on using me, getting the money out of me, you know. And yeah. you you know what I'm saying? It's going to keep spreading. Right. And so they took they took the first leg. Right. And mm -hmm. so it was like, okay, let's get you going. Let's get you going. Tina was in her 30s. Let's get you going. You know, come on, you can do this. But I can see her being wiped out. <laughs> Every right. blow, she was just like, I'm sick of this. I'm tired. She kept saying, I'm tired. They took her other leg. So now she was in the nursing home down there off of third, fourth, Tyler, wherever that nursing home is, South mm -hmm. Shore, down there. And so now she, both of her legs gone. Well, what come after that? Because now you're real tired. This ain't how you envision life. Right. You went from being whole to now you a half a person. You can't do nothing for yourself. You got kids you can't even do for them. 
nobody don't really come see you. You just tucked away in the nursing home, right? And so then she passed away. You know, and I only share that story because it's somebody that needs to hear how serious skipping a meal and walking a mile is, you know. Exactly. How important a wellness Wednesday is. <laughs> you know, you got to put you first from the inside out. If you're not putting you first, then you're just putting you last and digging a hole. And it's really a mindset and about being consistent with who you are. What do you want? That's even with finding out your talents. You know, it might just be you got the gift of gab and your conversations inspire other people. That's a talent. It does not have to be something huge where you feel like you got to change the world drastically. You change the world one person at a time, even if that's holding a car door for an old lady. You know, carrying somebody groceries and putting them in a car. Cutting somebody grass. Picking up somebody trash. Giving somebody $5. One person at a time is all it takes. That's all God asks for. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about it is you give yourself all these new opportunities. You know, because, you know, in our previous conversation, you know, I, I say I live I live my gimmick, so to speak, or I live my gift. You know, so the afflictions <laughs> that I would I was given, the testimony that I have from them has created all these new open doors. You know, I wrote God wants you to dominate in the early stages of what I've become now. You know, so I became a bestseller just telling what was going on with me and how I was feeling and the things that I was learning. And in the process of my failing to monetize it, I learned how to copyright and market and all these other gifts were developed and honed and improved because I didn't understand why people weren't, I didn't understand why people weren't receiving my message. So then I got into understanding how people think, what makes people buy, how to write it, how to say it, you know, what's the proper way to um, structure it so that it becomes profitable. Yeah. So my failure then created a whole nother opportunity for me to feed myself and feed my family and do the things for the people that I love that I wasn't able to do before when I was just working, eating and, you know, sick. And then the fact that I was in the hospital, the fact that I was afraid to die, you know, because I was afraid to die. Let me be clear. You know, ain't no real cool way to put it. You know, I was afraid to die. I'd seen members of my family lose their legs, lose their toes, you know, so I didn't want to be that person. You know, I don't have kids, so I didn't want to put that type of pressure on my mom. And I couldn't guarantee that anybody I was involved with would come see about me because they got their own lives. They got their own afflictions. They got their own kids. So how do you then try to work somebody else into your situation when it's just more work? You know, because now you're asking a person to take time out of their day to come wipe your butt, to come bring you food, to come clean your house. You know, so you can't guarantee that anybody's going to do that to the degree that you're going to be satisfied with. You know, so me not wanting to die and me wanting to have sexual health, me wanting to have physical health, me wanting to be able to walk into a room and not feel like I was invisible 
all created the platform that I sit here on now. You know, if I didn't do the work, we wouldn't be here talking about it. You know, so that's how we got to skip a meal, walk a mile. You know, that's how we got to having enough information to say, okay, I'm going to create a wellness Wednesday. You know, but I've, I would have never ended up in that hospital bed. I wouldn't be here telling you this now. So whatever affliction or difficulty you're having right now is really God trying to position you for where you ought to be. You know, if you were happy with your plan, then you wouldn't want to do his plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if I would, if I would have done what I wanted to do, I'd be at work right now. You know, but instead I'm able to run, you know, work, work out, research, still work with my clients and then hop on a podcast and help somebody else while helping myself in the process. Cause it is good for me to look back over my life and see the things that I've overcome, mm -hmm. you know, and to go back to what you were saying about, you know, Trina and the Trina. Dad, Tina, I'm sorry. I'm like, is it Trina? Tina? I'm sorry. You know, but to go back to that, I mean, you said that she was in her thirties, mm -hmm. you know, like, man, what would life look like if somebody would have been there for her and say, hey, man, let me help you here. Take my hand here. Walk with me here. Interact with me. Let me show you. Let me love on you and care for you and hold you accountable. <laughs> what would what would her life would look like? You know, and if you're somebody who still has some days left to where you can't hold somebody else's hand or you can't have your hand held, take advantage of it because tomorrow's not promised. You know, I see people every day like, oh, I need to be out here with you. Okay, well, how many more times you gonna get to say that before you can't be out here with me? You know, how many more times are you gonna say that before you lose a toe or have a stroke? You know, we can't always wait till we get sick to start working on being well. You know, so some of this stuff has to be preventative. If you know that you feel pretty good right now, but you probably are drinking a few too many of them iced coffees or your weight is getting a little bit up there, you finally start seeing you develop in the gut. You know, those are all signs. You know, you don't have to wait till you're sick to start working on being healthier. Like I'm healthy, but how can I be healthier? You know, and if you are healthy and you are doing the right things, man, hold somebody's hand, call auntie, mm -hmm. call uncle, call your neighbor, you know, Hey girl, let's walk up to, to the corner and back a couple of times, you know, because you'll, you'll eventually get old. And the question becomes, how do you want to feel when you get old? Do you want to feel like somebody who's ran their body into the ground and ain't got nothing left, but not ready to die yet? And now you're in wheelchairs and on dialysis and you need oxygen and all those different things because you run your body into the ground. You know, now, parents had no excuse because the information just wasn't readily available to them. You know, they didn't know what Tylenol and Advil were doing to them. They didn't know, you know, that if they drank all these Pepsis, this was what was going to happen. Our parents, you know, the baby boomers, those are the first people who really started to get diabetes. 
But the generation that we're in, man, there's a WebMD and a YouTube and a Google mm-hmm. and tons mm-hmm. of you know Audible books. There's information out there. Seek and you shall find. You know, and if you're a pastor listening, shepherd your flock. Shepherd them to good health. You know, shepherd your flock to the point where then you are then able to go out and minister. Because how can you minister if everybody's sick? Who want to join that? You know, back in the days, our parents and grandparents, they would walk blocks, passing out tracks and going door to door. You got to be in some type of shape to do that. So how are we going to minister to people if we can't walk a block? How are we going to minister to people if we sick to the point where we got low energy? I want to see people on fire for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, girl, how you doing? <laughs> you know, like that, that's not drawing nobody. It's hard to be loving and kind when you feel sick. And it's hard to talk about the goodness of the Lord when you're constantly in affliction. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see me and I say God is good, you like, he must be. <laughs> You look great. You're full of energy. You're walking in your purpose. Your God is God. And I'm just, you know, trying to share what I've learned. No, I ain't asking, you know, nobody to do nothing. I ain't willing to do myself. I ain't asked nobody to skip a meal and walk a mile. And I wasn't willing to do it. I ain't had no sunflower seeds, no peanuts, no nothing. It's almost two o'clock. You know, I did five miles today. So I wouldn't ask you to do anything that I've not already done. I've tested this stuff on myself. And I'm just sharing my results because I love you and I love people who look like you. And man, I've cried a lot of tears, my own tears and over other people. You know. I didn't feel good, man. I look at those pictures of me. I don't like how I look. No, I don't like how I felt. No, I don't like it. You know, I don't like, I don't like the memories of some of the stuff I have during that time. You know, and it's like, man, why did I let this happen to myself? And I know how hard it is to try to come back from it, which is why I'm willing to hold your hand while I'm willing to help you and while I'm encouraging other people to help each other. I always tell people it's easy to get into it, right? But it's hard to get out of it. And that's with with everything, you know? And so it's easy to put on the pounds and enjoy. But then when you sitting right there in it, it's like, okay, what do I do now? You don't want to put that same effort in. Myself included. You know, I have my moments where I hit it and I go hard for it. And then I just be like, forget that. I just need a break with everything. And that's good to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're constantly putting your liver, your kidneys, and your pancreas under pressure, to process all of this food and now you're gaining weight and you're 
putting pressure on your joints and you're putting pressure on your heart. And sometimes it's because you got a broken heart that you need to heal from. Or sometimes it's just because you just develop bad habits. You know, but whatever it is, the outcome is not likely to be good. You know, and the end is usually hard. Because I can only imagine, I mean, you, you're you crying, I'm crying, you know, and it's just like, how does it feel to lose your legs and be 30 something, mm-hmm. you know? You know, my uncle, you know, they just took his leg, you know, he wasn't happy about that, you know, so now you got to learn how to walk with the prosthetic and luckily for him, you know, he's lived a, a good life and been pretty financially secure so yeah he could afford to you know live in the convalescence home you know and rehab and hire people and do stuff because you know he had the money to do it but everybody doesn't so what about those people you know i mean one of the things i talk about i talk about you know being diagnosed with diabetes you know is going and getting my list set up with my, you know, my my strips and my monitor and my insulins and my pins and all that stuff. And they were like, man, $170. So I'm like, okay, well, how long is this going to last? 30 days. Mm-hmm. So I got to give you $170 every 30 days? And I only make 484 a month. You know, what does that look like? Right. right. How does that work? You know, I mean, we ain't, I ain't talking about the vanity of it, you know, being able to look nice and close and take really pretty pictures. I'm talking about just the practical, how do I even try to do this if I don't have the, the resources to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, so if I can do something like skipping a meal and walking a mile and that'll help me do it. Well, I'm going to wrap us up because I skipped my meal and I'm hungry. <laughs> so I'm about to go out there and walk my map. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's raining outside, um, drizzling a little bit, but I'll be fine. Um, and so I want to thank you for coming on here today. Oh, well, thank and, you for having me. Yeah, always. It's always good um, chopping it up with you. And so on our takeaways, we have God give us all talents, right? And so you have to take time to find out who you are so you can help others. Your gift will make room for you. It does not have to be a huge talent. It can be something as small as organizing or holding a door or conversating with somebody, you know, giving them some inspirational talks or whatever. Um, As Saddam says, if you don't work your heart, your heart don't work. And so be consistent. All you can do is give it a try. And so I ask that you go and follow Sadan on Facebook. And I'm sure he'll have an Instagram page, if not already, um, at Grown, Rich, and Fit. It's a group that he just created, actually. And so maybe once you listen, you can join and invite a friend. But today is the first Skip a Meal, Walk a Mile Monday. And he's working on Wellness Wednesday. You can always 
find him at grownandrich.com as well. And then I will attach the books he spoke about. And so, Sadan, you got any last words? Um, It's a journey and I want to be on it with you. So, you know, follow me. It's S-A-D-O-N-L-O-N-G um, on all platforms. So, again, there's, there's no judgment. There's no shame. If you've got a question, ask it. If you want to inbox and ask it, fine with me. If you want to email and ask it, do that. But, you know, I want to be of service. You know, there's no big I, little you in this situation at all. All right. And on that note, if you're hanging out with me, I'll hang out with you. Too. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.